the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Guess who's back? Back, back, back again. Shady's back. Tell a friend. Guess who's a call if you care to participate in the show. 312. I love that song. 642-5600. Now listen, we've got national stories, right? I can't wait to get into the communists of Chicago. Chicago's a union town. Up, down, they got new songs and everything. Very exciting. And uh, we're going to talk about other things, but I have to tell you, this Mitt Romney thing, this just, it, it just gets me where I, I, I never liked you, Mitt Romney, you fraud. I never liked you. And the idea, here's what Trump does. does he does really a great service to the country. And that's whether you agree or disagree with his policies. He invokes such a character flaw in people that it's like a lie detector test. And what I mean by that is the people that love him as a deity, which I have friends, I may even be married to one, love him as a God among men. He brings out that flaw where you say to people, what are you, nuts? Is there something wrong with you? Can you not see this and that and the other thing? There is an inability to think whenever his name is mentioned. It is wonderful. I love every minute of it. And if you hate him, You become so obsessed with the hate that you plummet your character, your career, and you show yourself to be a certain intellectual fraud, almost as bad as the people who love him blindly. It is a Trump detector test. Oh, we got to phrase that. And it takes a guy like this who walked around with that phony erudite. See, I know a lot about the Romneys from the father. I never liked him either. To all of the corporatist skullduggery that went on, all of the inside nonsense where they were creating another little Goldman Sachs and he all of a sudden he's he's the original, the original uh, Hunter Biden. He was the son of the governor who took all advantage. He'd have he wouldn't work at a Tom McCann if it wasn't for the old man. So I had to buy all that nonsense. As he goes on to, uh, he's the governor, and he implements the original Obamacare with that Mormon nonsense, self, that socialism engineering, the greater good. The same nonsense as AOC, only he does it in a Brooks Brothers. Never liked them. And now, because he's so blinded with Trump hatred, this son of a gun gets caught in what I think is a, a massive scandal. What do you mean you created a fake person? to support your positions and blast your opponents. It's very similar to Peter Navarro in his phony books. You created a fake expert. But Mitt Romney, what I love about him, see, is in his mind, when he looks in the mirror, he sees Sean Connery. This guy thinks he's a secret agent, man. And he creates a name, Pierre Delecto. Ooh. Now, you know when that sounds cool? When you're a nerd, Pierre Delecto sounds cool. It's just so despicable. I mean, are you nuts? First of all, I thought you were crazy when I really looked into the whole magic underpants, getting your own planet. That's when I said, "Eh, obviously nothing you say makes any sense to anybody or matters in the grand scheme of things. But this is such a character flaw that it shows you that people like this, be they in politics or be they out of politics, they're not to really be taken seriously. It's a character flaw. In the same sense as the mindless cultists who cannot recognize the failures in Trump policies. So that leaves a very small window for people to have a conversation about policy and think about things. And I'll tell you, I'm going to do it no matter what. I don't know if it's going to lead to a radio show. I don't know. But it's going to be about the issues, damn it. It's about the issues because I cannot afford this I'm in the United States Congress. How'd you get there? What are you, nuts? I can't afford this. I'm getting killed under the fake capitalism you pretend we exist under, let alone the outright communism you're calling socialism as Democrats. I can't afford it. 
I don't want to be it. I don't want to be a socialist. I cannot afford for these frauds to continue down this path, for the country to continue on the trajectory. It's bad enough I have to pretend that all of the problems we're facing were not caused by your moron government interventionism. The idea that Elizabeth Warren is running on a health care repair, that she's part of the cult that broke it, is beyond recognition. My brain explodes. Can't take it. So I need these people, these fraud Republicans. You better man up out there, and you better do the right thing. And by the way, you start with getting rid of scumbags like this. This fraud, Romney, who is the original architect of Obamacare, who implemented a backdoor socialism. Yes, boys and girls in the back room. That's Fabian Socialism 101. Mitt Romney is the picture of it. Where they con you and lie to you and deceive you and build an infrastructure you can't maneuver in. That's the Mitt Romney phony Republican socialism. All of the spending and all of the fraud. Recognize it. Recognize these people for who they are. The Mitt Romneys of the world should be Cast away. Don't worry. He's got about $100 million he could sit back on and put his feet up. Of money he already absconded with as a corporatist fraud under, under the daddy, just like Hunter Biden. But you better start recognizing this. I don't like Trump policies either. And I'll argue with him. And I'll support him when he's right. I'll argue when he's wrong. You don't have to walk around with your Caddyshack hat and go, get on the train like some sophomoric buffoon. Focus on what we are. Let's reestablish the only restraints are on these son of a guns. Not me. Not me. Not you. Not Josh. Not anybody. They're on these guys. So get back and demand that these politicians rise up and reestablish the powers. Here's what Trump's going to do that's beautiful. He's breaking it, not the way a glass breaks, but it's so obvious that this country needs to reestablish where the laws are made where the money is spent, and where policies are discussed. And that could only be achieved through a guy who invokes these kind of emotions. Whether you love him or hate him, the one thing that we can all guarantee is you better get a system back where it has checks and balances and it has separation of powers. Because as the people who love him and then rage against the neocons out there about the the Middle East, which we're never going to get out of, we're going to get into that later, whether it's the ones who recognize, you know, you did kind of start this whole thing. that seems like an awful dumb experience with this manipulation of trade. And it seems to be benefiting the most corrupt companies and the unions that we say we hate. You know, you're talking and you're borrowing $180 billion a month. The national debt is skyrocketing. Yet you are knuckling under the Fed for low interest rates. The ones we didn't like when Barack Obama was in office. See, slowly, you're going to wake up because you're going to have no choice when your alternative. I'm in the United States Congress. Shut up. How did you get to the United States Congress? That's why I don't want any social programs. I'm not providing anything for anybody that would support this dimwit. That's where there is no society. There are just people. There is no forest. There are just trees. And the idea that we are all willing to conform to some sort of society where either she's in charge or the Mitt Romneys of the world or the Donald Trumps for that matter should make you reevaluate these people that we're putting faith, trust, responsibility on. They're the dumbest and the stupidest among us. Why? Here's my first question. Why did you say in that briefing that President Trump had ordered a quid pro quo, quid pro quo that <laughs> investigating the Democrats, that, that aid to Ukraine depended on investigating the Democrats? Why'd you say that? Again, that's not what I said. That's what people said that I said. Here's what no, I said. What I'll said. say it again. You see what I mean? That's what you said, you liar. We all saw you say it. Just say the truth. What the hell is going on? And you wonder how far is it to go from him to the one who's just elected to Congress to the sharky communists who are running the city unions that are crippling the, the Chicago. They're all connected, even though they seem like they're apart. They're not. It's because you and not me, but OK, the kid in there have given up your principles and fundamentals enough to, to keep doing this. It's over with Mitt Romney. I don't care. Where is he? Utah. So he's got a bunch of those Mormon in their, under, in their magic underpants running around. Mar- First of all, you know how a religion's a crack pottery? What do you mean I should be married to one wo- more than one woman? Have you tried one, let alone six? 
Come on. What are you, not Mormons? It's the funniest of all religions. It's Comedy Central's religion, Mormonism. That's what it is. All right, listen, we got to go to the, we got, I got time for a call? All right, let's go to the calls. Patrick, thanks for calling the show. How are you, kid? Hey, how are you doing? Hey, uh, the church, the Catholic Church condemned socialism over 100 years ago for three reasons. Did somebody One, tell them? Because I mean, can't part rob of... people of their, it, it, it... You can't rob people of their accumulated wealth. You can't take away their hope to accumulate wealth. And the government's influence on, on everyone's lives is too much. Pet, 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 pet. They want to be God. I was raised. I'm, I was raised as a Catholic before I recognized it for the fraud that it is. As the pedophiles walk around as, as as liaisons to God. Number one. Number two. Are you watching the Catholic Church? What do you mean? They're investing in oil uh, 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 companies in the Middle East. They're investing two hundred million. Look it up. Use the evil Google if you deny me. Two hundred million last week in oil exploration in the Middle East. What are you, an investment bank, or are you the Catholic Church? Anybody want to talk about the the financial malfeasance that go on in the Vatican Bank, which is a crime organization? Don't be selling me Catholicism here, brother. I love you, but I don't like these frauds hiding under religion. And it's the Christians, too. The other guys are buying planes for reverence. Wake up. Wake up. We'll be back. 312-642-5600. Delecto, Pierre, Delecto, Mitt Romney, you nerd. That's what happens. You're walking around in burlap underpants. Yeah, yeah, you speak for the masses, moron. All right, let's go right to the phone lines. All right, Rick, thank you so much for calling the show. How are you, Rick? Sean, you know I love you to pieces sometimes, but they're, they're, it's like trying to catch 12 shots. You know, if somebody fires a shotgun at you with with nine buckshot balls, you can probably stop those. But you should have seen me. You should have seen me in the tavern. I was trying to pick up girls and getting in fistfights at the same time. It was wonderful. <laughs> Go ahead. But I think that religion has to denigrating somebody's religion. And believe me, I don't believe in Mormonism. But he's not knocking on my door trying to convert me. He's not trying to convert me to Mormonism. So I mean, I would theologically tell him why he's wrong. But. I mean, I just don't think you should go there. Just, right. just no, take him a, down as a bad politician. It was a broader point that if you have the, the, the audacity to, to believe in a, in a system so flawed as that, did you ever look at it? I mean, it's got some pretty outrageous oh, yeah, positions. I, believe me, I have absolutely looked at it, I my mean, friend. I'm going to tell you I, what. So I think, it. I think as men, me and you, I don't like that whole thing. Well, we can't talk about it. I was always that way, though. Forgive, forgive me. I go to family parties. First thing we talk about are religion and politics. All those things they tell you not to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Because and we're doing it right now, you and I. But that, you know why, Rick? It's important. It's important because it makes somebody think, wait a minute, what, what are we talking about here? And then they go look up the tenets of Mormonism, and they see how flawed and how ridiculous, how bigoted, how racist, how outrageous they are. Well, and they say, well, wait a minute, okay. how then, could then, somebody but, believe but in this? he's a politician. Yeah, right. But he, which is even more scary to me. So the guy who would believe in such outrageousness is actually in charge of making laws oh. and spending money? Mathematically, mathematically, any theist is closer to reality than a materialist. So, I mean, if you're somebody oh. that believes nothing created everything, you're more of a nut than somebody who believes that magic underwear can do something for you. I understand, I but mean, you know the beauty of let's, America? Let's be fair. You know the beauty of America? We're supposed to be separate. We're supposed to be separate. You're not supposed to have guys in there who want to implement laws, who want to spend money in, in, in fashions that benefit one religion over the other. Think about how much better the country He's would not. be. Oh, I don't know. Think about how much. I'd like to see all the grants that go to those Mormon states and his friends cash it out on it. You know, I'd be interested to see that. Well, okay. Let's do a little, that's, that's fa- let's do a little homework test. See, that's let's why I like that's uh, why That's why you have validity to what your arguments are, because, yes, if, if somebody were favoring Mormon churches, I mean, it would be the same thing as somebody favoring mosques. Right. Or somebody favoring my my denomination or whatever. Right. But I mean, I just think that you shouldn't. I don't think I, I know don't like unco- it when people Rick, denigrate Christians. I know it's uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm as a Christian denigrate Christians when I see these reverends taking these old ladies' money so they could buy a new jet. Are you crazy? That infuriates. Amen. Absolutely right. And it's our obligation, yeah. Rick, as men, to speak up against it. But listen, I love the call. I want to thank you for making it. It really means a lot to me. Thank you. See, that's what it's about. That's why it's a it's a it's a talk show. It's a conversation. I'm willing to admit when I'm wrong, and I may be wrong on some positions, but it's not because I'm contorting it to fit my agenda. It's because I'm, I'm using the fundamentals the way that I see them, the way that I believe them, and we're implementing them, and we're casting them on politicians and on the climate because the restraints in this country are to be on the Mitt Romneys. So let's, I, wouldn't it be wonderful if we all knew 
what the agendas were, where the money was going. Because I'm going to tell you what, that's why we're here. That's why it's $23 trillion. That's why you have an argument over moving guys around in the Middle East versus taking them out of there. And half of the people making the argument of why they stay there were the ones who said, nah, we shouldn't be there in the first place. And the problem is you get used to bad ideas. You know why America's here? We're used to bad ideas. Every single one of them. Chicago Public Schools, we're looking at the teachers, the union. Well, what, what are you kidding me? Didn't you not see where it was going? When you, when you bought into the idea that only a little socialism in education could work, and it'll be fine, and you know what? We're going to make it stop in 12th grade. Well, then how far of a leap is it for the Ocasio-Cortezes, for the Bernie Sanders, for the Elizabeth Warren state? Well, well, why isn't it all free? When you think about the position is, we should have made the arguments when this was implemented. Socialism cannot be commingled with. It, it metastasizes at every step of the way. And the complacency of men and women in this country to, to get along, to go along, that's why we're here. Social Security, it is a Ponzi scheme scam. Every one of these policies that have been implemented should have been fought vehemently. Now, can there be good government programs? Absolutely. Can there be magnanimous government programs that help people? Only those who are willing to help themselves. There can never be ones that help people for perpetuity because that will take down the rest. We are living through the implosion of our freedoms. And now we're just arguing about pressure points. That's all this argument is. Chicago Public Schools is not looking at the corruption. It's not looking at the fraud. And it's not looking at the results. It keeps throwing the intent in your face. And it's irrelevant to the, to the way in which it's imploding on its own. All it needs is just more money. And that's every one of these programs. When the reality is these should have been fought by the men of that time when they were passed. That's our job. And it's to point out the failures that are trying to pass it. Because the one thing the Mitt Romneys show you is it's a lie. Everything this guy does is a lie. He's a fraud from the time he gets up till he goes to bed and every minute in between. Sorry, it's just the way it is. And you know what? So are, so are the majority of them. Our job is to weed it out. Our job is to have a system in place the way that it was supposed to be, where there were stops, where they could be caught, where there wouldn't be this notion of endless Endless pay-to-play schemes. That's what it is. We don't have a political party system. We've got pay-to-play schemes. And the idea is, whose team are you on? And, 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 my, and me, stubborn me, I want to break it all apart. I just do. I don't think you should have to be knuckled under to go into business, to stay in business, to do business. I don't think you should be knuckled under. You, you know these jobs that we're arguing about in the city of Chicago? You know how many of these guys, how many ghost jobs there are in Chicago? You know how many envelopes are dropped off? How many aldermen? Are in on the take? What do you think? There's a big article. A buddy of mine sends it to me. He's like, oh, look, at they're going after Madigan. What are you going to do? He's 100 years old. He's been robbing you for 50 years. Were you going to catch him like Burke? So it gives him something else to talk about at the tavern as he strings along the case for eternity till he gives you an Elijah Cummings. You wake up, he's gone. Okay, look who got away with it. He's another guy that got away with it. All of a sudden, he's, he's a god. Really? His wife's been under investigation for six months. Ridiculous. All right. How's that for Fenty? Mike. Northside, thanks for calling. How are you? Hey, Sean. This really ticks me off, these elitists. Different sets of rules. And nothing shows this off worse than the stumbling, bumbling drunk we have as a police superintendent. City's supposed to have zero tolerance. Any alcohol, and you're driving a city vehicle, you lose your job. About eight months ago, I'm working. Listen, eight months ago, I'm working on the street. I got bit by a German shepherd. I go to the hospital, all of a sudden they come, hey, injury on the job, you have to take a drug test, drug and alcohol. But not only did they not let this guy blow, they let him drive home after they knew he was drunk. And I want to see their camera footage from the camera oh, these cops he, had. He is. You know what it is? It, it's 16 shots of Hennessy and a cover-up. I'll tell you, they got a big banner at did, police huh? headquarters. This is good stuff. Go they, they, got a, they got a big banner at police headquarters. Laquan McDonald couldn't knock me out, but Johnny Walker did. Oh, look this at what guy's got to go. I, tell you what, I, th- I think he's working on this. He's preparing this stuff. See, first of all, let me, let's me let take these one at a time. I think you lured the German Shepherd because you sound like your calves look like roast beef. So you, taint, you, 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 you tempted that German Shepherd. That's number one. Number two, he's the police commissioner. You don't think this has been going on for a million years? Of course it is. And I yeah. like, you know, my favorite part but is caught. I love the excuse. Did you hear the excuse? I think it mixed with my medication. 
It's the same nonsense as all this stuff we're talking about. Because you were right when you first said it. It's two rules, brother. We're the pigeons. And if you're lucky, you get a guy, right? You got you get these, my, these other guys are my favorite. I got a guy. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. Man, it was sunroof back, windows down. 1992 Acura Legend, cruising, cigar in the mouth. It was living, kid. One hot girl, I screwed it all up. Be driving a Bentley right now. You believe this? It's sickening. All right, so we got a couple tweets, some texts, and I even got a caller on the line. And it's about Mulvaney, which to me is the reason that they should stop selling round glasses because you look like one of the Chipmunks brothers. Looks ridiculous, Mulvaney. I was never a fan. I know he's part of the circle, and you're supposed to love him, but I don't. I don't love him. And I like when they do stupid things and then pretend they didn't do stupid things. Don't you? Why? Here's my first question. Why did you say in that briefing that President Trump had ordered a quid pro quo, quid pro quo <laughs> that investigating the Democrats, that, that aid to Ukraine depended on investigating the Democrats? Why'd you say that? Again, that's not what I said. That's what people said that I said. Here's what I said. I'll say it again. Uh, and hopefully people will listen this time. There were two reasons that we held up the aid. Um, we've talked about this at some length. The first one was the uh, the rampant corruption in Ukraine. Ukraine, by the way, Chris, is so bad in Ukraine that in 2014, Congress passed a law uh, making it, uh, making us, uh, requiring us to make sure that corruption was moving in the right direction. So corruption's a big deal. Everybody knows it. The president was also concerned about whether or not other nations, specifically European nations, were helping with foreign aid to the Ukraine as well. We've talked about that uh, for, for, for quite a while now. I did then mentioned that in the past, the president had mentioned for me to time to time about the DNC server. He'd mentioned the DNC server to other people publicly. He even mentioned it to President Zelensky in the phone call, but it wasn't connected to the aid. And that's where I think people got sidetracked this weekend at that press conference. So before I go on, I want to say something. Do we, do we hold up aid because countries are, are real with corruption? Did we hold up aid in the form of TARP to the banks that imploded the economy? Is that why we hold it up? Did we examine the servers? That were on, you know, before we funneled a trillion dollars to save the banks after TARP. So do we not send money? Because I like this rule. If Mulvaney's right, I'm on Team Mulvaney. So let's get this straight. We don't send money to countries, and I'm assuming organizations or groups, that have a history of corruption. You know what? If that's not a law, it should be. So look at you, Mulvaney. So far... All right, I'm willing to believe your lie. Just for a little while. I'll believe it for a little while. Once we were able to satisfy ourselves that corruption was actually, they were doing better with it. Oh, uh, we got that information from our folks, from the conversation with Mr. Zelensky. From your corruption. And once we were able to, to establish that we had the Office of Management Budget do research on other countries' aid to Ukraine, it turns out they don't give hardly any lethal aid, but they do give a considerable sum of money in non-lethal aid. Once those two things were cleared, the money flowed. There was never any connection between the flow of money and the but, service. But, Mick. But that's not what you said. But the other thing is, didn't Congress allocate the money? So the beef should be with Congress. It isn't. I mean, I, are we doing that now? Where if I don't like what Congress does, we don't do it? Because, okay, I, I might even be in charge of it. You don't want to give all the tax cuts to your friends? You don't want to cut out and, and subsidize the people on Obamacare who don't want to admit they're on welfare? Okay, I'm in with that. So is this what we're doing? Because we're just turning over everything to the decision of, of, of the presidency. And then what Congress does doesn't mean anything. Is this is this the new plan? Because I read that and I was surprised because John Bolton never complained to me about it. No one at NSC ever complained to me about anything that was going on. I, I didn't see Sondland's testimony this week because none of us have seen Sondland's testimony, uh, which is another story entirely. I did get a chance to read his opening statement when he said that Bolton never complained. I wish we had the clip where he actually said what he said. So I'll effort to get that clip. Uh, right, Dan, thanks for calling the show. How are you, Dan? Hi. Would you say that uh, Ukraine and the DNC colluded in the 2016 election to undermine the Trump campaign? I would say that they colluded with the, the administration in charge. I would say that that's pretty clear. Um, Ukraine did. I would. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Um, all, you know, uh, verbiage aside, I guess what I think is important to understand, though, is that 
it is within the president's legal purview to urge the leader of foreign country to investigate corruption, government corruption involving both countries. So I don't really care who that involves, whether Joe Biden is peripheral damage, but I would like to get to the bottom of what happened with the DNC server over in the Ukraine. Me too. And uh, the fact that the FBI never investigated those servers themselves and left it up to CrowdStrike, the company, uh, to do it who was hired by the Hillary Clinton campaign. That's what we need to get to the bottom of. And if that includes withholding foreign aid, I'm all for it. I don't think it's illegal. I think it's a good idea. I, uh, we don't have to give them any money, and I'm sure there's conditions oh, on it. Oh, are we? So you see, can call anything a quid pro quo. Dan, and that's that's the other thing. The whole government runs on quid pro quo. It's it, it's sure. what it runs on. And some are illegal, some are not. But, here, but it is within the president's legal purview to urge the, uh, the leader of a foreign country to investigate government corruption between both of them so, and... I don't care if Joe Biden is uh, a political opponent or not. Would it be okay if it were Steve Scalise, for example? Of course not. Joe Biden's out of touch. Now yeah, you, you, exactly. you so and I, you and Joe I Biden agree. Doesn't get a you and I agree it's on the principle, pass. regardless of who's in power. Exactly. And here's the other problem I have with this whole thing: how we feign outrage. How many times has the American government colluded with certain political power parties to have an effect on the on the elections of those countries, Israel in particular? How many times have we colluded with various Middle East countries, let's say Saudi Arabia, for example, to have have an effect on their enemies, to have an effect on their uh, uh, outcome of their products that they sell? How many times have we done exactly what all of the pretend political uh, uh, experts are mad about here? So you and I agree, Dan, and that's why it's important to have a set of rules that you're willing to implement to stop all this, because the other thing that you're, you, you mentioned that's that's true, why are we giving all the foreign aid? What are the specific reasons why we give foreign aid to all of these various countries? And then on top of that, we finance the IMF Bank, which also gives aid. So in essence, the American people, the guys who are working two and three jobs, are subsidizing all of foreign aid to countries that are our enemies. The entire concept of foreign aid needs to be re- reevaluated. And the idea that we give it and there are no bounds on it, explain why Mexico is but a vestibule of cartels. How much foreign aid have we wasted that to the most corrupt government in uh, arguably in the planet? So I agree with you. But Dan, you clean your own house first before you talk about how dirty your neighbor's house is. As conservatives, as Republicans, we clean our own house first. It's always, you play the equivocation game. I got news for you, brother. That's every other radio show. Here we talk about the solutions. This is Chicago Slap and Tickle Drive Time. We're going to slap the propaganda. We're going to have a good time doing it. 312-642-5600. Good stuff, kid. All right, just to put a bow on it, because I'm sick of hearing guys. Say, I didn't say what I said. The demand for an investigation into the Democrats was part of the reason that he it was ordered to withhold funding to Ukraine. The, the look back to what happened in 2016 certainly was, was part of the thing that he was worried about in corruption with that nation. And that is absolutely appropriate. Yeah, which, which ultimately uh, then what? flowed. By the way, there was a report that we worried that the money wouldn't, if, if we didn't pay out the money, it would be illegal. Okay, it would be unlawful. Um, that is one of those things that is, has that little shred of truth in it um, that, that makes it look a lot worse than it really is. Uh, we were concerned about, in our, uh, over at OMB, about an impoundment. And I know I just put half you folks to, to bed, but there's, a, there's the Budget Control Act, uh, impound, Budget Control Impoundment Act of 1974 says that if Congress appropriates money, you have to spend it. Okay? At least that's how it's interpreted by some folks. And we knew that that money either had to go out the door by the end of September or we had to have a really, really good reason not to do it. And that was the legality of the issue. But to be clear, what you just described is a quid pro quo. It is funding will not flow unless the investigation into the into the Democratic server uh, happened as well. We, we do we do that all the time with foreign policy. So you did. I mean, you know, I mean, let's just address with the fact that we do that all the time. And you know what, Mick, you, you're probably really right. You probably do it all the time. So that's the issue with me until you there's a shred of truth. You listen to the phrasing, phrasing, 
a shred. What is it, a recipe? You just take a smidgen of the truth, you dash it in there. There's just the truth. What am I talking to, Ocasio-Cortez or Elizabeth Warren? Yeah, what you're doing is socialism and you're going to raise the taxes for everybody. No, don't worry, it's going to be better for... No, no, no. I want the truth. Like the truth with Obamacare. The truth with government spending. The truth with manipulation of the economy. Or do we just want to shred? And then we'd play the equivocation game where we meet fire with fire. That's all the equivocation game is. Well, I know that, I know that Barack Obama did all, all of those bad things with executive orders, but now we got a guy that's really doing good stuff. Yeah, but it's the same thing. See, fire with fire works when you're 17 years old and your girlfriend cheats on you. Then you could go hit on her cousin. Fine. Fire with fire. It doesn't work in political parties who are seizing control of, of freedom and liberty. It doesn't work. It just makes you smaller and smaller. Your freedom smaller and smaller. Your positions smaller and smaller. Your access to representation smaller and smaller. Where soon it doesn't matter what Congress does because the guy sitting in the chair in the White House gets to decide what it is. So to me, call me crazy. I'm a stickler for that, that thing that I was promised, that, that country I fell in love with, the one that guaranteed the kind of things that happen on a daily basis would never happen because we were going to be that city on a hill. Remember, Reagan? We were going to have that certain morality. And then somewhere along the line, you mix a couple bushes in there, and the next thing you know, hold, all the whole thing's off. All right. Ed, thanks for holding on. How are you, buddy? Ed, are you there, bud? Oh, yeah. How you doing, son? Wonderful, wonderful. Thanks for hanging on. Yeah, not a problem. Hold on. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm a new Vegas resident. I just left Chicago in May. Oh, you're the one. And, uh... <laughs> Yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, I got an article. I got an article here. A, co- a company, ninety-eight years, four generations. They just picked up and moved. Everyone's moving. You're yeah. gonna, aren't you going to wait, stick around, and see how much your taxes would have went up? What's wrong with you? What are you a quitter? Well, that's that's one of the reasons why I did leave. I knew it was going to happen, and uh, you know, like, and my whole point of the contention was of uh, the whole strike and everything. I even I have an ex-wife that is a teacher, and you know she's one of the teachers, but she's one of those ones that's kind of like scared to say anything or do anything. You know, she's not sure. really in that boat. But uh-huh. uh, what are you going to do? You know, they're going to they're going to probably uh, burn down your house if you. Yeah. Try well, to I'm going to tell you what to do. She's your ex-wife, right? You wait. Yeah. You wait for this contract to get signed, then you take her back for alimony. Huh? There you go. How's that for you're not a sexist? It's good for the goose. It's good for the gander, Ed. Come on. But hey, I. Go ahead. On the subject of the CPS strike, I gotta, you know, I always hear this: the contingency plan. What the hell is the contingency plan? I don't see any. Uh, it's uh it's borrowing. Teachers being recruited. Where are the new teachers? The contingency plan is borrowing. Ed, they're not interested in new teachers. Thanks for calling. Good luck with the ex-wife. I hope you win the case. Uh, There's all the contingency. I'm sorry. I think I hung up on the contingency. Contingency plan is borrowing. The contingency plan is to hide taxation. The contingency plan is to figure out a way to tax people that you don't agree with ideologically, right? That's why their plan, if you listen to CPS, what's their plan? They want to tax the financial industries left in Chicago because they don't agree with them because that's a, that's a picture of capitalism. And as you know from the six elected aldermen who are outright socialists and the communist sharky, that's communism. So they're going to attack anybody who's practicing capitalism. The contingency plan is to win at all costs to ignore what's destroyed and bankrupted Chicago and make it worse. That's the contingency plan. And after all, they're going to need the rest. They're going to have to relax. You can't get these 400-pounders prancing around for days. This is going to lead to problems. There's going to be other health costs involved. You know what? We should come to a deal because we're covering the health costs. Isn't that a son of a gun? i got to pay for the raise, and i got to blown for the, for the blown ACL. You see? They got us. These socialists, they, they, they're winning. I'm not going to let it happen. Chicago Slap and Tickle, Drive Time Chicago, 312-642-5600. We have a guest coming up. Can't wait. You know why? I'm only getting guests who are financial experts. I'm only getting guests who are independent, not party-affiliated. You don't need any more party hacks. We'll be back after this. The best part about doing this show, to me, is guests and I'm getting you guests, ladies and gentlemen. These are, these are not regular people. These are smart individuals, principled, live on fundamentals. And I do it while introducing them to Eminem music. That can't be done. That's very difficult. And today, I'm very proud to have Kevin Kosar. Kevin, uh, 
before he joined our street. He was a congressional, or he worked for a congressional research service where he served as an analyst, a research manager. Earlier in his career, he was an elect, a lecturer on, on public policy and administration at New York University and Metropolitan College of New York. Kevin, thank you so much for joining me. I truly appreciate it. Hey, thank you for having me on. So the bulk of my show, what I want to do is I've realized, you know, I grew up in Chicago, right? I mean, we're surrounded by skullduggery and incompetence. And not many people even took a civics class or understand how Congress is the most important branch of government. There's a reason the election is every two years. They're supposed to be closest to you. They are supposed to be restrained, not the other way around. And I've been losing this argument, kid, for about 35 years. It's very frustrating. And I'm too old to sing and dance, mm-hmm. so I can't move to Hollywood. So I need to fix things. Please tell me there is a ray of hope. I think there is with Trump breaking everything. What do you think? Yeah, certainly there is. Um, in the last five years, we've seen a movement break out to kind of uh, fix Congress. And it was long overdue. Um, you know, historically, Congress goes through these cycles of major reform. They had one in the middle of the 1940s after you had the kind of growth of government under FDR. Uh, and then they had another one in the early 70s after LBJ and Nixon got kind of out of control. And in the early 90s, they were going to do it again, but it got tied up in politics, so nothing happened. So the situation just kind of festered until about five years ago, and you just had enough people on Capitol Hill and enough members of the public saying, Congress is a wreck, we got to do something. And so stuff is happening, but it's, uh, there's a long way to go. So their approval rating has always been extremely low. I've been fascinated about this. I've been paying attention for many, many years. I mean, their approval rating is ridiculously low, yet their power seems to constantly grow. And I'm going to tell you what, it is to the point now where I feel that laws are being created and written as spears versus shields. How can a citizen and a, or a group of citizens reestablish and fight back while remaining lawful? Can it be done? You know, that's a, that's a good question. There's, a, there's definitely strength in numbers, um, and there's definitely value in communication. And I'm not talking about going to a website and clicking a thing and it produces one of those automatic, you know, forms that get submitted to your member of Congress. Congressional staff don't pay a whole lot of attention to those. But if you sit down and write a member of Congress, if you telephone a member of Congress, and you are a pest about it, and you threaten to withhold your votes, and you talk out, and you make noise, they, they will respond because members of Congress ultimately want to get reelected. I mean, I'm seeing a, a bunch of Congress people who, whether they're qualified or not, is up to the districts that, that elect them. However, what I'm noticing is the AOCs of the world, the, the, the squad, they literally have the power, and if you align them with a president who believes in massive socialist agenda they have the power to very quickly turn this country i mean you could argue that it's quasi-socialist now and i could make that argument but they have the power to truly Mm -hmm. enact these things that they're posing as as utopia but we know our venezuelan nazism in in nature and if that happens see because i'm aware there's going to be a post-trump day whether it's a year whether it's five years whatever it is there's going to be a and and I don't I don't like his pen use either. How can we? I mean, I thought the Tea Party was going to stick together. They didn't. They're nowhere. Is there an insurgence? Mm-hmm. Are you witnessing? Is there? Do you have optimism in this? You know, if I didn't have optimism, I just wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. Um, yeah, I have optimism. I mean, we we've seen these kind of waves of government growth wash over this country. I mean, 120 years ago, there was hardly much of a federal government at all, but then we had the progressive revolution. And then things simmered down a little bit, and then we had Great Depression and World War II. But then after that, they actually started cutting government because they believed in small government, and Congress was leading the way on that, and they got cooperation from the White House. And then in the 60s, boom, all of a sudden, a whole lot of social uh, legislation and a huge outcropping. And that kind of washed through to the 70s. And then 
the 80s, Reagan went after it with some limited success. And then it was kind of a, you know, uh, detente yeah. in the 90s. And then, boom, 9-11 happens. And uh, all of a sudden, government growth and government spending started to skyrocket again. All in the name of patriotism. Um, a, That's what bothers me. There's got to be a correction. Oh, yeah. Well, everybody wraps everything in patriotism. Even Trump trying to put the G7 at Doral was saying that he was trying to do the country a favor. <laughs> it's, cra- it's crazy. Um, but I will say this. I'm intrigued by your other expertise in the books you've written because we are living through it right here in Chicago as we watch the strength of the teachers union cripple not just Chicago, but the state. And you've written two books on it, Failing Grades and the Federal Politics of Education. And, you know, as I think of it, if you think of it from both sides of the coin, the fact that we allowed public education to get this kind of a foothold in our lives, it's really only the natural progression of it, why we're here. And the reality is the future is even more bleak as people realize, well, you're given the first 12 grades away for free. Why not the next four? And Mm. isn't I mean, if you think Mm -hmm. about it, that is the socialist argument. I've been against public school. I have two kids. I never, not a day in public school, yet I've been paying on multiple property taxes. So I didn't like the concept of the two old ladies next door to me paying for my kid. It always made me uncomfortable. But society seems to have grabbed it. Is there a way, do you ever see public education ending? No, I don't see it ending. I mean, I could certainly in the last 20 years, there's been a, a serious expansion in the number of uh, options outside the typical public option, what with the growth of vouchers and charter schools. Um, but, and I think that stuff's going to stay around because you have enough people who are just simply fed up with the options that they have uh, gotten from the public systems, particularly in urban areas. Rural areas, it's a lot tougher. I mean, you've got a sparser population trying to create a competitor school is, you know, there's just not a market there uh, in many cases. You know, I, I think that one of the big turning points in history that's just little appreciated was that the movement, you know, about 80 years ago where it was decided we're going to unionize government employees. Yeah. Now, government employees were hired on as civil servants. They're not put there for cronyism. They have to take tests and, you know, meet criteria, et cetera, et cetera. They have civil service protections. So you don't get them, you know, you don't get fired when somebody from the opposite political party comes in. You would have thought that was enough to run the system. But no, instead, they also gave in and decided that we're going to let them unionize. And then when you have that, then suddenly you have taxpayer dollars flowing into teacher pockets, which then flows into union coffers, which is then used to, you know, work over legislators, donate to political campaigns, and basically to manipulate the system in a direction that is to their satisfaction. And, yeah, Chicago is a particularly acute case of that. Oh, their thirst for the money is insatiable. I mean, it is something to behold, Kevin, where you have a sympathetic semi-communist mayor trying to negotiate with the Che Guevara teachers union leader, and she's saying yes, and he refuses to take it for an answer. You see that this is a path of destruction, and the reason they only want three-year contracts versus five is they want to do this every three years. And, Kevin, Illinois, I don't know if you're paying attention, people are running like O'Leary's cow kicked the lantern over again. It's just chaos, but <laughs> the rea- I mean, am I Don Quixote to want to destroy the entire public sector of schooling? <laughs> I mean, I, I am, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's now, think about it, it sounds kooky that you're talking to a guy who wants to co- completely eliminate a public school system. But the reality is, you can't, it, history has shown us, we can't get along with it. You, you, you can't reason with it. Yeah, I think one of the things that's going to be interesting to see is places like Chicago, what's going to happen with the pensions? <laughs> I mean, there's only you know so many promises that can be made for so many decades, and there's only so much, you know, kind of, put it nicely, optimistic accounting that can get done before the bill comes due, and then somebody's going to get a haircut. I mean, we you know, saw the 
up in Detroit, where they made lots of promises to government employees, promises they had no chance of keeping, but they kept making them because it was politically easy. And finally, it was like, forget it, we're bankrupt. Somebody's got to take a haircut here. Um, And maybe that's what's coming down the pike. Now, you've been around these shapeshifter congressmen for a large part of your life. In the, in the hallways, when they're in the health club working out, when they're making fun of the people, do they understand how bad this is? Or do they just want to not talk about it and not even affiliate themselves with the enclaves of, of Democrat failure that, that we call Chicago, Los Angeles, New Jersey, New York? I mean, is this, what's it like in that uh, Caligli uh, for nerds called Washington, D.C.? What are they really, are they just like, we don't want to talk about it and we hope you don't? Or is there an effort to say, we better fix this and I'm hoping that we can? Um, the way I kind of view it is that there are, you know, a few different camps. First, they're just the, the, the shysters and the, you know, the ones who want to get their mugs in front of the cameras. Who That's, that's we, kind of their life. We call them Dick Durbin. Um, you could just say Dick Durbin and we'll know what you're talking about. Go ahead. And. And then there are the folks who, like, they actually want to change stuff, and they're frustrated, and they're ticked off, and they're trying to get stuff done, but they find that Congress just is not a place where things are moving. And then you got the politicos, the people who basically see their entire mission in Washington, D.C., is to get their team, either the Dems or the Republicans, to control the chamber after the next elections. So what do they do over a two-year period or when they're running the Senate? They do everything they can to screw the other side. So even when good bills come along that they might agree upon, if they do a little polling and look around and think that they can get partisan advantage from it, they won't just pass the bill and let the other team share a win. Oh, no, we got to scuttle the bill. Um, It's really tragic. I mean, it's unfortunate that only a few good pieces of legislation seem to be getting through, like last year's big opioids bill. You know, that was bipartisan. You know, every as far as left as Koch brothers, Soros, and as far as right as Koch brothers, and in between, get them together and saying like opioids are a problem. We all gain by making, you know, taking action on it. That was good, but these sorts of victories are few and far between, unfortunately. If we don't restrain the money, that the the dark money, the PAC money, the the pay to play. I mean, let's call it what it is. Nobody's going to give a politician millions of dollars unless they want something. If we don't change that. Can we fix it, or is it just going to ride this thing until we are uh, Venezuelan ourselves in the streets? Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's just a brutal truth that if you have a lot of money, you have a way better chance of getting an audience with a member of Congress because these guys are all trying to raise money like crazy so that they can get reelected. I mean, one of the underappreciated truths is that members of Congress, they get beat all the time. People talk about, oh, there's lots of safe districts and this, that, and the other. Last time I checked the numbers a few years ago, more than half members of Congress had only been around eight years. Well, us here in Illinois are hoping you're right, Kevin, and I hate to cut you short, but um, i got to take a break. Listen, it's been my pleasure, and I hope you join me again. I've really had a good time. Thank you so much for joining us. Love to. Thank you. 312-642-5600. We will be back after the the commercials. Messages, whatever. Three one two six four two fifty six hundred. You know we have this, the monitors on in the studio. This Mulvaney, I don't think he's going to be employed by Thursday. There's no chance. He's got to go. Are you nuts? I, I, that that would be a great help too to Trump because believe it or not. I get a lot of people they call me, what are you doing? You're criticizing. you got to stay positive. One thing that Trump showed me, and I said this in the back room there, it didn't go over big. One thing he showed me with the Durrell thing, he can recognize failure and when people are outraged and he can make changes. That's our only hope because, as I said before, and I, I'm not going to play all the clips, we cannot go through a Bernie Sanders an Elizabeth Warren, a Joe Biden. Can't go through it. And the other thing, who's, who's left? Pete Buttigieg, this child? You talking to me? You talking to a man? You're going to tell me what's best for me? You're going to take away my freedoms, my rights, my property, and you're going to tell me it's for the greater part of society when you've done nothing in your life except politics and the military. 
You don't get to, to rule over us. It's infuriating to me that these are our options. And I'm including uh, uh, the situation we're in. I would like it to be a little bit more of a choice. And I know that makes me very unpopular. I get it. But it's just not good enough for me. The position and the choices, just not good enough for me. Candace, thanks so much for calling the show. How are you, kid? Hey, that was a good interview. Um, I agree with you. I, I've been saying all along for this voucher stuff. I mean, yes, we need vouchers. That works in Wisconsin, okay? Costs $8,000 to <clears throat> educate the kids with vouchers here at the charter schools and the parochials. Fifteen grand downtown Milwaukee. Okay, uh, but, you know, the problem is public education is the head of the snake. And this week on the Ep- Epoch Times uh, came out that article about John... Uh, I think, is it Delaney? That's good enough um, for me. Who was one of the original guys over at the NEA. Yeah. Who was a communist, and he saw what China did and what uh, the Soviets did, and he liked it because only the very elite, you know, whose family fawned over them could could learn to read because it was so difficult the way they set things up, and that's what they wanted here. And now they have memorization. And, you know, it, it just saddens me because, you know, you go, and they don't even know how to sound it out. You say, you're trying to help her well, read me say sound it up. They don't even know how to Candace, sound it I'm going to tell you something. I'm, I'm going to even argue with vouchers. It is not society's issue to educate strangers' right. children. It's your responsibility yeah. as a parent. Do you know what I've spent? My friends, myself, who send our kids to parochial school from they bankrupt us. I'm not kidding you. Yeah. I've worked my derriere off, and I, it's all intuition. It's all in insurance costs. It's all into housing. It's all, but that's my responsibility as a, as a man. They're my okay, kids. I, I give you that. I give you that. And that means that the marriage needs to come back because the woman does need to stay home. She needs oh, I don't to know about you know, all that. educate I, I, the kids. Well, then who the hell is going to do it? The parents. It's their obligation to provide for their kids. Well, then. Okay, so then everybody has to send them to private school? That. Well, you are anyway. You're just hiding. Before the the federal schools came up, though, Sean, what did parents do? It was all biblical. And the parents who were very religious taught out of certain books, and that's how they learned to read. Fine, Candace, but that's individual. I'm not going to promote that for strangers. I'm not going to hide behind the religion aspect of it. I'm simply saying it is your obligation as a parent to, to pay the cost of your kids. It is not the obligation of the people who have who don't have any kids. It's not the well, obligation. You, you're not going to get Americans on board. But that's what that, America is. Lazy slob. Well, then you want to know yeah. something, Candace? Here's the other side of the coin. Then, then why isn't Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren right? Why shouldn't college be free? Why should we cut it off at 12 years? You yeah, exactly. I so that's the problem with the argument. Thank you, Candace, for calling. That's the problem when you are arguing a false premise is that you are dragged off from the principle of the issue. The ultimate principle, think about what it would solve. It would solve everything from immigration to the, to the societal issues we're dealing with. If the people themselves had to be responsible for the kids they had. And for themselves, moreover. The idea that we thought we could mix in this socialism here and everything will be okay is naive at best. It's an ostrich philosophy for the people promoting it because everyone who fought it then knew that CPS was around the corner. You know, it's only since the 70s that the Department of Education was created. Late 70s. That's it. What did it take you to get here? You know, you're 40 years, 41 years, and look at where we are, that it is now the crowbar used to pry Chicagoans from their assets, from their money. And the fallout is that it doesn't work because it implodes the value of the innocent. How many people in Chicago have never partaken in the public school system, yet their fraud, their costs, their liabilities, and their corruption have torn down your property values? Why is it attached to property values? Moreover, why are company why is commercial real estate paying for the education of the kids? Why? You can't mix communism with freedom. It doesn't work. They take over. Their thirst is insatiable. And we're losing. Could hide behind phony conservatism all you want. 
the reality is Chicago, and they're winning. We're losing. 312-642-5600. Brought to you by the IRS Radio Hour with Stephen Leahy. Every Sunday afternoon at 5 on AM560, The Answer. The reality is people are too afraid to be free and responsible for their lives. That's why we have all this nonsense. You know, it's not that I'm against charity. Incentivize charity. We're the most charitable country on the planet. A wave hits another country. What happens? We get billions of dollars, and the despot of that country steals the money. It happens every time. Right? We see people in need. We run to the need. So let's incentivize charity. Let's incentivize providers. Do you imagine if you told all these Wall Street guys, all these brilliant minds, all these Internet kids, these coders, listen, here's what we're going to do. You teach kids how to do what you do, and we're going to give you a 50% tax break. What kind of quality teachers would you have? What kind of quality instruction would you have? You tell corporations, you know what, for every dollar that you donate for children's education, we won't tax you too. Have the most funded education system in the world, yet it'll be in control of the parents. And then this way, the parents and their kids would have to compete to get the grants and get the charity instead of welfare competition that we have now. See, welfare pays you more by the more derelict your situation is. Charity pays you on who you are as an individual, as a person, on what your circumstances are. See, we always can have the answers. Because I had a guy hang up, and he was going to give me the socialist argument 101. And you know what that is? Society benefits. You notice this is how they wrap up every socialist program. It's an intangible. There you go, CPS school. They're telling you right now. Sharky, listen, society benefits. We've consistently said that, that pay is an issue. Uh, it's an issue for our lowest paid um, uh, uh, workers in schools, um, our PSRPs, but also the special education classroom assistants, bus aides, Everybody. security guards, the people who are members of SBI. Everybody, it's utopia. And we're together with their union. You're with against the union. Everybody benefits. Same thing. Society benefits. Just give them what they want. It's an intangible and unprovable hypothesis. That they're BSing you on. It's 100% fraud. Because if their system worked, there would be no ghettos in the very society they've built. Yet everywhere there's government intervention, and the most of it, it's called a ghetto. That's what the government builds. Ghettos. And they incentivize it to stay that way. And that's the sharkies of the world. And that's why there's a run to all of the surviving somehow neighborhoods in in the Chicago public school system. That's why there's a demand and a waiting list and corruption. Because he gets a blanket check, a blank check for everything he wants. They're going to win this. They already won it. They won the one three years ago, and they're going to win the one in three years from now. This is the system. Because it disincentivizes achievement. It rewards failure. What I want to do is strip all that away. I'm not for, fine, let's give people who can't and do not have the ability to pay for their kid's school an alleyway, and we're going to do that through private charity and incentivizing true experts. How, how much attention do you think the kids would give to a guy from Wall Street who's a billionaire, a monster trader, a capitalist? What do you think they'd do if the head of Caterpillar walked in and said, I'm going to give you a lesson on this? Those kids would pay attention. Instead of that 300-pound donut kind of sewer that's marching right now for a union race. In each and every case, freedom, capitalism, and incentivizing the people to be rewarded by their effort works. In every single case, the opposite fails. And that's why they lower the standards so they can hide the test results. That's why if you give a kid a paper who may be a sophomore in a Chicago public school system, he can't get to the period, let alone tell you what it said. That's why we're in this predicament where the standards come down and the costs go up. And they refuse to recognize the failure. In fact, what they're begging for is more control and more profitability for the failure. The whole time telling you it's a success. If it was a success, would we be here, Sharky, dimwit? Marxist, communist, fraud. Cue the music. Chicago public school music. Come on. Now. 
teachers, for the nurses, for the janitors. Most of all, it's for those little kids who are sitting home with their thumb in their derriere. It's for them. Isn't it great? It only took the Soviet Union 72 years to fail. It's taken us what? We didn't even implement it fully and we're already here. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Jerry with the G. We don't have time? We got one minute. Jerry with the G, we got one minute. All right. I don't know whether I'm a G. But anyway, hey, Sean. Yes. Uh, I just have one question. If they're so concerned, the CPS is so concerned over the student and the welfare of the student, then why don't they strike over summer break, spring break? Go ahead, strike. Go ahead. Yeah. Call it out then. Hey, because, Jerry, but they, why? Yeah, they, don't, they don't care about the kids. If they cared about the kids, would they be in this predicament? Now, some do. Not all are like Sharky. Some do. And you know what they get to do during these strikes? They better sit down and shut up. They get muscled and they get extorted. That's the other side of the coin that never gets spoken of. What about the teachers that don't want to go on strike? What about the teachers that are content and happy and want to be paid on their production? Where are their voices? This is what communism does. It silences and it extorts. We're witnessing it right now. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to fund it. Because that's what we do. When we don't fight for what's right. In every instance. 312-642-5600. AM560. The answer. The hardest part about this is watching these low-life sound things. It really is. They got Pritzker, cobbled pot, all shoved behind the podium. You see him on a podium? He could use a shoebox as a podium, this son of a gun. He's going to bail out all this skullduggery. It's just sickening to me. All right, Robert, thanks for calling the show. How are you? Hello. How are you, Robert? This is Bob. Okay, Bob. From Park Ridge. Hi, Bob. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Okay, uh, Sean, uh, in 1973, uh, Senator Goldwater wrote a book called The Breaking Point, in which he stated that that, that was the year that the uh, Congress passed the EPA and established that, and uh, unionizing government workers. He said those are the two biggest mistakes we could ever make. They're well, going to come back to haunt us. And on top of that, one one last point, uh, I have a good friend, lady friend, who wrote things for textbooks. She said we rank 38th historically, 38th continue, 38th in the industrialized nations in terms of educational quality. And I'll tell you so something. What do these teachers want? They want everything, Bob, but I'll tell you something. You know what's more annoying about that point in that book that Goldwater wrote? The EPA, right. who was never approved by Congress, Nixon did it with an executive order. That's correct. The EPA is an executive order. Look at what it's done. The Department of Education, that's, that's another one of Nixon's brainstorms. He's the one who came up with Absolutely. the idea. Carter just signed the bill. And um, you that's know something? Right. The, the reality of, of, of that we're 38th in education... The reality that America now ranks, I think, 26th or 25th in countries with the individual citizens of freedom and liberty and, and property rights, it's, it's just slipping away. And it is, Bob, because we have agreed with these people who kept telling us it would be better for society. Every one of these laws was wrapped in a virtue, in a promise of, of, of better, in a promise of utopia. Look, look at Obama and Obamacare. And here we are, 10 years later. Insurance premiums are 400% higher. There's less doctors. There's less hospitals. The medicine, everything is a failure. And yet, what do they do when we give them the chance, Bob? You've been alive probably a, a, a long time. What have you ever seen them do when they say that they, they restrain the decisions and the choices and our liberty back to us? I have yet to live through it. I know the 80s happened. I was a young man. I was unaware of what happened then. But since, since that time... Everybody, it's just the noose gets tighter. It's just a shame, Bob. But I want to thank you so much, Bob, for calling the show. Thank you very much. Oh, damn it. I didn't mean to hit it so fast. Bob, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Bonnie, thank you so much for calling the show. How are you? I'm fine. Can you hear me, Sean? I can hear you beautifully. Thank you. Okay. So anybody who knows anything about finance knows that Chicago will file bankruptcy. It's not if, but it's when. It'll be like Detroit, because the, the, the debt burden, the interest on the debt is unsustainable, and when they're unable to offer basic services like pay the police and fire and stuff, they got no choice. 
So what that's going to look like is a receiver will be put in charge of Chicago's finances. All these teacher contracts are just going to be wiped off the map. And, you know, the, the thing that's so funny is that, um, that they'll give the teachers what they want. But all that will do is make the bankruptcy happen sooner. And you know what's funny, Bonnie? All of these teachers who are advocating for more while being aware of the very issues you just described. All of these teachers are the ones that are teaching our kids about the economy, about the history, about reality. You see the fact. Basic math. All of it. <laughs> they, they, I, I, I propose one of these teachers asking for more cannot solve a basic math problem. Because if they can, they know that what they're doing is crippling the very city they pretend to work for. See, if they if they were teachers, if they had the ability to pass knowledge on to kids, they would re- understand the very circumstances they've created. That's the scary part, Bonnie, is that our kids are being taught by socialists who have the inability to reason and recognize failure. And they're the ones teaching our kids. Thank you so much, Bonnie, for calling. I do want to clean the lines up. Let's go to Bill. Thank you so much, Bill, for calling. How are you? Hey, thanks for taking my call. My wife's a fifth grade teacher, and in her district, she's the rural district, they're actually creating some of their own curriculum because the textbooks are so liberalized and biased that come out of there. And if you remember a few years back, John Stossel had a special on the textbook industry about how the industry basically writes textbooks for just large urban districts. And you know what, Bill? It's not an industry. It's a cartel. And it's a cartel where they pay off their own people. And they they have their own sycophants that are allegiance and share that same ideology that are in control and have a monopoly on the textbooks. So the kids are learning from a system that's so corrupted, it's the one that mandated the purchase of Barack Obama's autobiography when he was president. You know how many colleges and high schools mandated that that book be bought? Look what you've done. Oh, absolutely. What about the emoluments clause? What about the emoluments clause? Go ahead. Oh, sure. All the AP all the AP books are ridiculous. I mean, my son's AP history book in high school, he graduated in 2018, it said that the reason the settlers came from Europe to settle America was to, uh, you know, start slavery. Bill, you've got to rewrite history in order to steal the future. Thanks for calling the show. But this is another time where we can automate all of this. The best information is at our fingertips, accessed in nanoseconds to every solution. You know what they understand? They better get what they can because they're obsolete. The reality is they're they're not teaching your kids. And thank God your kids are smart enough not to pay attention. What's going to teach your kids is the Internet, is the information age, is their own curiosity. Unfortunately, life is down to the individual. In all of these utopian statist countries... They end in violence and murder and mayhem. Yet here we are trying to implement it in a free one. I'm Sean Thompson. We'll be back when I get back. 312. Oh, no. We're not back. All right. I'll be back doing the show next week. I'm off all this week. I have to go to Florida to earn a living. Thank you so much for listening. I had a great time. Fastest two hours of a Monday. 